Welcome to episode 170 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Wet. Yeah? It was very rainy outside. Uh, I, I think I think it had stopped by the time we came to the studio. I was still hearing some on the, the side window here, but I think it's light. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the storm for us, I think, has pretty much subsided, but it was pretty darn strong yeah, there for we a had, little we while. Yeah, we had the severe thunderstorm warning. We had the, the, the radar was just this big stripe of red across it. We were legitimately worried that the power was going to go out and we weren't going to be able to record tonight, but looks like everything's abated. So. Yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, we're, we're doing, doing all right. right. So... Uh, it is let's see here coming up. I've got yeah. uh, your my game's on game Sunday. on Sunday. Yeah, and my game was last Saturday, and your game was last Saturday. So, who do you want to talk about first? I'll let you go. All right. Uh, so I, I think, I think I'm about ready. Like, the problem is, is we're starting a new act. You've okay, done a lot so, of pre- good prep work. Like you, you, you had your your new session zero point five, if you mm-hmm, will, or something like that, mm-hmm. two point zero, whatever. Yep. You know, and I think that actually went over exceptionally well. I think so. I uh, think so. Because everybody got, and it was, I, I'm gonna say, role play centric in the way that we were describing where things were at. I think it was a nice rebirth. I I feel like it's it's something that a lot of people could do mm-hmm. with groups that are you know once you get to know your characters, do that rebirth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, keep the game going. Yeah, like, sure. It also gives you a little bit of a fresh perspective. Like, mm-hmm. we're not – none of us are, are, are hardcore tactical people in, in uh, Savage World. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is nice. But at the same time, we're not creating crippling characters either that are that, – that, that's the reason for the role play. No, I mean, you're, each one of your characters is good at a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when, when you're in your bailiwick, I think you, you do exceptionally well at it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't really worry about any of you guys power gaming or anything like that. Uh, and taking kind of like a second session zero, now that we're all used to Savage Worlds, we know a little bit more about what we use, what we mm-hmm. don't use, you know, and how we use it. Uh, being able to take that step back and go like, okay, I, I do want to move a couple points around on my character and yeah. having the ability to do that is good. Yeah, and I, I, I think also examining, using it, and then re-examining the rules that you had just gotten. Yeah. Was also helpful for you because it kind of gave you a forced perspective of like, oh, these are kind of – because it wasn't so much new rules as it was just, hey, here's some new crafting ways of looking at things. Oh, at yeah. Times. Yeah. The uh, um, So I, I bought into the, the Kickstarter for the uh, Fantasy Companion. Mm-hmm. So I get the, the alpha and beta test versions yep. of it. So uh, it's on version 1.2 right now. Uh, I have that early access. So I was able to look at it and extend it to my players and whatnot. Um, and it's got a lot of great stuff in it. I'm very happy with it as a book. Yeah, but it doesn't feel – I mean, I trying to, it's not an addendum to the game so much as like, you know, here's some optional rules. It's more of like, hey, here's a cool direction. Yeah. And we're going to kind of show you a crafted way that you could have done something. It's yeah. almost like the class books, class blats back in the day where it's like, a little bit, yeah. you know, we're going to show you a ranger who's a, de- a desert ranger. Like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. You know, we're not changing anything major. We're just kind of kind of focus on something. Like, sure. here's a paladin. Sure. Go play a paladin, you know? Uh, other than that, though, um, I, my game prep is going pretty well. Uh, if, you're on, if you're on Discord, you get to see the uh, the map that I made. Yeah. Of the, uh, the city. You use that. Uh, incarnate, in, right? Incarnate. Yep. Incarnate.com. Uh, it's an online map editor, very much like Dungeon Fog does. Yep. Um, worked out really well. Um, put that together in an afternoon. Um, so again, you know, if, if you, if you aren't on the discord and you were wondering what I'm talking about, uh, go up and give it, give it a look. Uh, you can find the link on our, on our Mm -hmm. Twitter as well as our, our website. Um, and, uh, 
my biggest problem is I don't know how much to prep because this is the first session of a new story arc. Yeah. And so I kind of want to – I need to see which direction you guys take momentum in. I need to sprinkle in some plot hooks for you guys mm-hmm. and then see what you latch on to before I can really do a lot of writing. So. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're in a very soft position, I, I will am. say, where you I can – where everything is malleable. You've got a, a good, strong idea. We went through some of them mm-hmm. uh, together, which I thought was great. I think your all your points are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of where do people lean. Yeah. And yeah. and what do they latch on to as their as their their bonds with the story? What what are they interested in? What's what are they getting invested in? I've also got like three B plots. Yeah, again, <laughs> so, they're they're B plots for a reason. They sit off to the side for a reason. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. how, okay, now to your game. How how do you think that went? I think it went exceptionally well. I really did. the The sheer amount of last minute things that hit, and yet it was successful. Um. So. I, I talked to you about it before, and that was is that I did something I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. I literally did my entire game when I this whole idea for this adventure. I slimmed it down to a single spreadsheet in mm-hmm. Excel that had basic craft points in it, and then from there I said, "Okay, now that I know that this is crafted, all I need to do is make sure I know how events happened." And, this does, this gives nothing away because you you've already been through 90% of it yeah, sure. was that effectively the caravan that you guys were going to find didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Why didn't it make it? Well, it it was it was attempted to be sacked by bandits and they they effectively tried to uh uh to stop it to retrieve something from it. They weren't going to be, you know, uh, bad about it because they only wanted one thing in the end. Yep. Unfortunately, there was already something in those woods that had a much more dangerous edge and took advantage of the situation. We can't stop here. This is Slode country. Correct. And so Slode's attacked, uh, who didn't belong, yeah. and just caused havoc. And when new guards were sent out to go find it, they also had problems. So now you've got this kind of crime scene that you guys had to investigate over the course of things and kind of discover through phases where everything you needed was. And at the mm-hmm. same time, I love that at every stage of the game it was like, do we have what we need? Can we just go back? Can we just ignore this and right. go back? <laughs> and then finally you get to the point where like, we can't ignore this. We've yeah. got to do something about this and these people. And we might learn something, but either way we got to handle this now. And I liked that, and I, I left you guys off, I think, at a really good point. Yeah, Because uh, you guys are coming to the end, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I I think the two things that helped me a lot was, number one, keeping it exceptionally simple. Yeah. Um, number two, I leaned into my digital maps again, uh, and uh, good thing I did. Oh, yeah. This guy here. <laughs> this guy here. So we go we go into his uh, into into his uh, uh, his I don't know what, what do you what do you call the pub the, the, the pub it's it's our dining room slash pub dining room slash hangout area yeah. uh, where we always game and he's got his so a thirty seven inch uh, uh, monitor or something like that on the out, table on the table yep and just has just an animated map the wind is blowing the birds are chirping the the breezes are swaying in the wind or the trees are swaying in the breeze you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's got a grid on it it's mm-hmm. perfect yeah. And then just with multiple clicks, just boom, switching it. Oh, now it's nighttime. Oh, now you're on a different road. Oh, now yep. there's fog of war. Now there's rain and there's there, there's howling wolves. Amazing. And, I mean, I have to say, number one, uh, the utility that I was using was exceptionally easy to use and yeah. move through. Two, we had a player who didn't show up. One of my players was not feeling well. Positive with COVID, yeah. unfortunately. So. And, uh, and they were stuck at home. 
an hour before my session tells me this. So I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. And so I, I, I luckily took a minute, composed myself, figured out, I'm like, I can broadcast this on Discord. Mm-hmm. I can use my headset so that or I can use my ear, my earbuds for my Google phone and or my Google earbuds have one earbud in mine and put the other one in the middle of the table. Yep. You hooked up a Bluetooth speaker so we could hear them. Yep. And, and the sounds from the, the TV nice or, or for like, everything for, for the little bit of technology you plugged in one, you know, t- together, like it worked perfectly. Yeah. They never had a problem hearing us. Nope. We never had a problem hearing them. And then I, I, the only thing I really stumbled on was I, and I quickly had to pull together because I didn't have it, was I needed tokens for all of your models. Yeah. So I had to, I quickly grabbed from D&D Beyond, made tokenizer, quickly slapped them in and then threw them in. And yep. I was like, so, yep. so that they could see when you were moving your minis on my yeah. battle map, which yeah. again, worked out great. Uh, and yep. in the end, uh, it, it all worked out. We had good combat and things moved r- relatively quickly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I felt pretty good about it. I feel good about the story. I feel good about the pieces that I got out of it. It it made me feel a lot more confident about less is more. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. The funny thing is, too, is like given given how I prep for games, too, uh, like you were telling me about your method and you're like, oh, I did so much less. And I'm like, cool. And you're like, I was telling me about it. And you, you laid it out for me. And I was like. That's still way too much, man. It <laughs> like, is still so much more than I would have ever written. <laughs> but at the same time, for me, it's like I'm this deep in the story. No, 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 no. It's so, no shade. You've got you you've got your style. I've got mine. Clearly, yours works. I mean, so at the moment it is. So. What am I? What are we gonna do? Throw shade at a perfectly competent storyteller that I had fun at your game? That's no? fair. Like, That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you could. We'll just say that. But um, I mean, I'd have to send you back to Storyteller 101. Oh Lord, Lord, we're here, we're what here. Is, what a segue! What a way to segue! Into what this. a segue! So this month, uh, or last month, we talked about campaign flow. Yeah, and um, how we're we're really kind of just talking about uh, moving through the actual flow of a campaign. This one doesn't necessarily add on to that. It adds on to the whole picture. Yes. Yes. Um, so we're, we're talking about, uh, what world you're actually sitting in and kind of making it a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. Um, how I, do, how do actually bring these, these, these storytelling aspects to life? Specifically, you're, uh, we're going to talk a lot about NPCs tonight. Um, I know a lot of like the, the, the tweets and stuff of that that we put out said we're going to talk about world building, but, um, when we started putting our notes together, the world building stuff we found was very short. And the how to make life like NPCs was a lot longer and a lot meatier. Yeah, and and realistically, your world is what your players interact with. It's the NPCs. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of a lot of it's going to be. NPCs. Sure, you could have lore coming out your ears, but you don't need it. We're going to explain that. That's but, just the rocks you're standing on. That's right. So right. so when we talk about the meat and potatoes, we're talking about the basics of things. This is where we add flavor. This is where, in a one hundred and one sense, you can give your players something real to latch on to and feel like there's a lot more going on. Yep. You know, yep. you're not just walking into Whiterun with a bunch of people just going, hi, hello, how are you? Have you heard of the high elves? Goodbye. It, yeah, <laughs> like nobody wants that. Nobody yeah. wants to walk into somebody and be like, ah, oh, you want to barter for some weapons? Uh, no, uh, I was wondering if you knew anything about the missing children. Do you want to barter for some weapons? Exactly. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, if you are looking for a little more depth, we do have other episodes that go into the go into lore exposition. So, like episode one seventeen talks more about creating life like NPCs. We did that back in July of last year, 
in 21. Uh, 113 is more of the organic lore exposition, uh, which would kind of go beyond. It's more of a 202 and, and, and almost a 300. How, how to drop lore without dropping, without just uh, dr- right. re- reciting from the encyclopedia, essentially. Yep. That's and also then, July 2021. And then we literally did a series back in 2019 about world building. It was just some of the first uh, episodes we did. It was yeah. uh, uh, episodes 17 through 23. Uh, 18 excluded. 18 was a, was a different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We interrupted something. It was uh, doing difficult, uh, handling difficult situations yeah. at the table. That's right. That's right. Um, so, but yeah, there's a, there's a whole there's like a five part mini series of uh, on, on world building back in August 2019, episodes 17 through 23. Yeah, I think if you do a search on our site for uh, world building, you'll actually uh, it'll come up in there, and you'll see all the the, the series individually. I so. want to give you guys the, the the month and year too, because I know that's how Spotify will will identify them. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't give you episode numbers. So, so. all right. Feet first, diving in. Feet first. Okay. All right. So, what do we mean by populating the world? All right. So, uh, when we're talking about populating the world, we're talking about it making uh, making it feel real and making it feel alive. Um, that there are real people going about their lives, acting in realistic ways. Um, that there are real events like weather or holiday celebrations going on that that set the environment for you, um, and basically making it feel like the PCs aren't the only people with personalities in the story. Like you said, you know, you don't walk into a shop and have a guy like, you know, would you like to buy some weapons? Yeah. Uh, no, what do you know about the mystery? Would you like to buy some weapons? Yeah, yeah. And, you know? and beyond that, there are groups, factions, politics. There there are people who want things and mm-hmm. will work to get those things. There are like-minded people who also want those things, maybe for different reasons. Sure, and, and, and work they'll for band them. together for yeah. mutual aid, and that's how factions start, you know? Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of politics is just dealing with persuasion, bartering, other than violence or intimidation. Yep. So that happens all the time, and there's good reason for it, and it doesn't have to happen at a super high level. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're talking like the baker needs something from the... You know, because he need maybe the baker needs to do grindstone, but doesn't have the money. Okay, you, that, there's bartering that are happening in the city. Sure, M- maybe your players get involved, maybe they don't, but at least it's part something that you know that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea is is that it can get far more complicated than that, and we can get into high politics, but we're not doing this. This is a one on one. Yep. Sarah's pulling me back. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> we so, luckily we had the talk before we got on we the did, air here. We did. We actually. Here's like, no, that's that's two o two. I'm like, but what about no, that's two o two. Bring it back. Bring it back now. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. Uh, all right. So here's your crash course in making interesting NPCs. Yeah. Um, so new storytellers uh, tend to have very wooden NPCs. Um, and and that's fine. Like, that's where we all start. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that comes because a lot of us are video gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, and NPCs are very wooden in video games. Um, you know, we're, we're joking about the, would you like to buy some weapons? But that's, but that's the video game NPC. You yeah. know, they have one line of dialogue when you click on them and they may say something else when you purchase something, yep. but you're not going to get a lot of, a lot of interaction from them and whatnot. And, um, the other aspect is is that within those same video games, we think about these cutscenes that are involved, that are elaborate, where this whole conversation's going on. Oh, sure. But the character isn't interactive with it. It's something that's happening around them. How many times have you watched a cut sequence where the main character, the Halo guy, mm-hmm. says nothing? 
Like, there's yeah. just events occurring around them, people talk around them, and, and stuff happens. I mean, you've got the mute protagonist, but but also, like, you know, keeping in mind that, like, those characters in cutscenes, especially in games like, you know, The Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, all these very story-driven games that yeah. we get, that, you know, we, we, we talk about being these great epic stories in video gaming, how much of them are interactive? Mm-hmm. Practically none of them. From the standpoint of, if in the middle of a cutscene a character says something like, you know, oh, that's the ancient treasure that we've been searching for. You can't stop the cutscene and go, hold up a minute. Yeah. How long have you been looking for this? Right. No, you just get the dialogue that was written. Yeah. You experience the story as they programmed it to. Mm-hmm. Tabletop role-playing games don't have that limitation. If, a, if somebody says, oh, that's the story, that's the thing I've been looking for. What do you mean you've been looking for it? How long? Yeah. How do you even know this exists? Well, I have so many questions right now. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Who told you about this? Your grandfather? What? Come on. Right. And as a storyteller, you need to be ready for that to happen. You need to know the answers to those questions, and you need to make that NPC that they are now suddenly interacting with act in a believable and lifelike way mm-hmm. to make that experience rich for them. You mm-hmm. know? You can't just script your NPC and be done with it. Um. Free Guy, the new movie, yeah. the generally movie, like, hey, can I get a cappuccino? I mean, you got a cappuccino maker there. Here's your coffee. Like, uh, but but I want a cappuccino. Right. You know, right. kind of a thing. You know what? Fine. I'll just have the coffee. And then that person starts thinking, can I make a cappuccino? I mean, I have everything I need to make a cappuccino, right? Why have I never made a cappuccino before? Because yeah, you're not programmed to. That's right. And, and now you can step away and start making cappuccinos. Yeah. But the thing is, is that you don't have to go so far and i think there are some basic dimensions you can give to start taking steps to give some life to your npcs absolutely absolutely and i i think sarah did a fine job of reeling me back and basically creating giving it just three dimensions because <laughs> i think the dimensions do a good job i always want to take it one more beyond that but it's not necessary the, dis- the discussion was essentially you're not wrong right but that's 201 exactly you know um so, how to make your NPCs more three-dimensional in three easy steps. Um, and once again, I want to reiterate episode 117. If you want the 201 level course on this, yep. episode 117, Creating Lifelike NPCs from July of 2021, mm-hmm. is where we're talking about that. And we go through from basics all the way out. Yep. So we, 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 we go beyond these three, but these three are a great place to start if you're not used to making NPCs and you, you need something, you need a start point, these are a great start point. Um, and so... Uh, I'm not going to say the root, but one of the one of the values that I think gets forgotten about, which is why I think you put it at the beginning, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very important, is what does that NPC want? Yep. Not, not necessarily even for the players. We're talking about what do they want, period. That's it. Period. Simple. What is their goal in life currently? What yeah. is the What is the main thing that they are thinking about and trying to pursue? And it doesn't have to be... Anything complicated. Sometimes it's money. What do you want? Money. I need money. Give me a paycheck. I'm just I'm just here for the paycheck. Yep. My desire is money. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's a motivation. Like most of your town guards, mm-hmm. you know, do you serve truth, justice? Are you a paladin? No, man, this is a paycheck. Yeah. This is a day job. Yeah. I just want to go home. Yeah. My feet hurt, you know. Um, and sometimes it's a peaceful life and a loving family. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've I, I've got enough money. I'm you know the the shop could be bigger or whatever. But honestly, I just want to live my life and get on with that. 
That's fine. That's a desire. I'm retired. I want to stay retired. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Sometimes it's become a god. Yeah. You know, your yeah. big bad evil guy wants a magical artifact to become a god so no one can ever hurt them ever again. That's great. That's that's a desire. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, the reason you want to know this, for every single NPC, even if it's just something as little as is here for the paycheck or just wants peace and quiet or mm-hmm. whatever, is it gives them a direction. If you ever need to think, how is this NPC going to act? They will act in the interest of getting whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Okay, you hold a gun to a to a to, to uh, up to a guard, and their motivation is money. Chances are they're going to go. You know what? I'm not getting paid enough for this. Yeah, and they will drop their weapon and they will walk away. Likewise, you want to get into a place, and the guy at the front door is standing there. If his motivation is money, and you literally hand him, you know, twenty creds, he's going to be like. That's a very bribable NPC. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, have a nice evening. His I hope you have a good time. Money. He he got his motivation that night. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, shopkeeper wants a peaceful life and family. PCs come in, start getting pushy when he won't uh, when he won't haggle with them. Shopkeeper may appeal to their better nature. They're like, dude, I got a wife and kids. You know. Yeah. Can we just just uh, if if you're gonna rob me, just just don't break anything. Just yeah. leave me alive to take what you want and go. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, big bad evil guy wants to become a god unimpeded he's gonna act on his plan he might hire a henchman to remove obstacles for him sure uh he might if the pcs become obstacles he's gonna try to remove them as obstacles maybe by subduing or killing them Mm -hmm. or maybe by trying to recruit them to his side yeah hey i'm gonna become a god wouldn't you guys like to help me and you can be at the right hand of a god you know gods you know it would be great for you Mm -hmm. think of the parking yeah exactly (laughs) i'll validate your parking even yeah yeah um, but, but having that drive, like Sarah was saying, is literally going to give you focus. It's going to help you. It doesn't mean that it can't change. And especially, like, one of the best things that can happen is if your players help them get that goal. Mm-hmm. Like, now there's a reason why they might be more amicable with them. Yeah, absolutely. They might be like, hey, you guys did make our town safer. You know what? We're here to help. What do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, but, but like, okay, we're, we're good. No, 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 no. How can we help you? How can this little turnip farmer help you? you yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. And they, and they, they may, once, once they achieve their goal, they may come up with another goal, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how things went. Um, but the main thing is it, you don't have to keep super careful track of this. This isn't no. like you can need a spreadsheet to maintain everybody's goals or anything like that and make sure that they're all moving in the correct direction. Just put a note next to the character. Wants money. Okay, cool. This yep. character wants money. Now you know in any situation what their main motivation is. Yep. Um, all right. Your number two. What memorable physical traits do they have? Physical being visual. Yep. It could be auditory. It could be uh, an action. It uh, could be colors. So, for instance, do they have a tremor? Yep. Do they have a stutter? Do they have uh, – do they always wear purple and ostentatious colors that, that look different than everyone else there? M- maybe they only dress in leathers. Could be anything. Yeah. It could be anything. Um, but the big thing is is that oftentimes uh, the physical characteristics are going to be things that your player characters will remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so they may not remember that this guy's name is whatever, but they're going to remember, oh, you remember the guy with the limp who told us where, where the hideout was? Right. You know? Uh, oh, the, the, the guy with the scar on his face. Mm-hmm. You know? The woman with the big with the big curly hair. Yeah. Um, 
they're going to remember that sort of stuff. Yeah, the brick at the front door. Do you remember yeah. him? Yeah. He was big and dumb and brick-like. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy who barely fit into his suit. Yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah. 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 Um, so having unique physical characteristics. I mean, when you think about it, people come in all shapes, sizes, colors, mm-hmm. levels yeah. of able, of physical ableness, you know, things like that. So these are all the things that distinguish each, you know, one another from, 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 from each other in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean – down to the fact of like you will stop recognizing your best friends if they change a major physical appearance part. Yeah. If you shaved off your beard, I don't know that I would recognize you. Mm-hmm. You've you've had it pretty much the entire time I've known you. At some level, Sometimes I don't it's know what lighter. all of your face looks like. Uh, especially if I shaved off my my mustache, mm-hmm. you you probably wouldn't recognize me. It'd look weird. Yeah. It'd look straight up weird. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um. So, physical characteristics are, 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 are a big way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing to note, though, um, this is a place where sometimes we do a racism. Yes. Or we do a sexism or an ableism or a homophobia or something else like this. Correct. So, and and I say, not not that we are racist, but that we have done a racism. Yes. A lot of times it's not intentional. It's not the core of who we are, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But – we can present things in, in a disrespectful manner. Um, yes. So just remember to treat your NPCs with as much respect as you would treat a living person. Correct. Um, because that's that's the energy you're giving off. Yeah. Um, and so just try to also try to avoid making your villains disabled or queer coded. Uh, those are bad tropes. Um, the disfigurement and queer identities are bad people. Yes. Um, and there's there's all you, you can read a lot of philosophy on queer coding and villains and stuff like that. I mean, how many times and, and I'm going to I'm going to go with this down a route that's very common with 7C, which is you see the peg-legged one-eyed pirate who's sneering at you. Mhm. That's a disabled person and everyone goes, "Oh, that pirate's questionable." Yeah. The disabled guy is evil. Great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 literally just called the trope and set it in motion. Yep. So there's nothing to say that, like, it hasn't been painted for us and sits in the back of our, our lexicon of our brain that this is the way things look. Yep. And that right there tells you enough about it. Yeah. And to be is, able to step away. This is one of the main reasons why I say, like, sometimes we do a racism or a sexism because mm-hmm. a lot of us are so ingrained with these tropes. We've seen them played out so many times in books, movies, and TV yeah. and stuff like that that we we just think, oh, that's, that's how the dramatic beat is done mm-hmm. without thinking of why it's done that way or yep. what, what led to it doing that. So yep. just a side note, try to treat your NPCs with respect in, in giving them these characteristics. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then lastly – uh, what memorable personality trait do they have? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this kind of goes along with the appearance, only this is a a, a personality thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just like physical traits, there there are things that we do, things that we say that are memorable as well. Um, personality traits can be a number of things. Like, um, for instance, quick quick is an easiest one that's most common at the at the, at the role playing table is like an accent. Yeah. Or a speech mannerism, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to do accents, but maybe they speak with a lisp or every, they end every sentence with, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you, you know, that that one shopkeeper, you know, who always talks like this, you know? Yeah. I guarantee, again, players won't remember the character's name, but they're going to be like that shopkeeper that says, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. Boom. Done. Memorable. Yep. yep. Iconic. Yep. I agree. One hundred percent. Give them a physical action, such as wrinkling their nose when they think or chomping on their gum loudly. It's also something you can physically do at the table. Yeah. Like, I uh, – uh, one of the things that I always thought was funny was 
if you wanted to get like if you, our our generation, uh, if you wanted to get them to be uh, recognizing that somebody in that you're putting into the party is an investigator, mm-hmm. anytime they're talking as they're finishing, you you lightly scratch your head. <laughs> Columbo. Exactly. Yep. But it's something that your brain recognizes. Yep. Yep. You know, um, and it's things like that that uh, uh, that you can do to trigger people into a trope. <laughs> Based upon characters, a D and D Columbo now. Oh, just just one more thing: the the anti magic field is kind of bothering me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And maybe he's an investigator of magic. You, it, it totally irrelevant to everything else, but he's there for that reason. Sure, sure. You know, or or literally, just do your hands in the motion of cleaning a glass. Yep. People know who that is. You don't. You could need start props. a conversation with your table at the tavern doing that, and they already know who you're talking. They're talking to. Yes. So it's it's little mannerisms that can do that, and it sells the scene in a physical way mm-hmm. to them. The other thing you can always do is, like you were saying, add something to it. Do they tap their cane? Mm-hmm. Do they bounce their foot? And you can feel the vibration. Everybody remembers that feeling. Like if you're sitting in a tavern, I assure you those floors are not perfect. And you could say, you feel the vibration of his foot tapping. And you're like, oh, he's he's sitting at the other table, isn't he? You know, yep. kind yep, of a yep, thing. Yep. And you're like, you know, and – that's the thing is is that those little mannerisms, those little stutters that you might do within the voice where you're like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. kind of like they know now they can sell that w- and remember that and it ties through. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things that I really like, too, is uh, giving them like an enthusiasm or a dislike. Oh, that's always great. Uh, so like, uh, for instance, perhaps you walk into a store in like a contemporary game and their shop is covered in baseball memorabilia. Not for sale. Right. Not for sale, but they do have an autographed Babe Ruth ball up in the display case behind the shelf. This is a general store? I know, but it's my general store, and this is where I want to show off my baseball memorabilia. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you seem to like turtles, right? First off, tortoises. Tor- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's it's that thing. It's like, hey, if I'm going to be here eight hours a day, I'm going to look at something I enjoy. Well, like, you, 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 uh, have you seen The, the, the Good Place? I've seen some of it, yes. Like, in the last season, there's that guy who just collects frogs. Yeah. You know? And, like, you don't know anything else about this character, but he just loves frogs mm-hmm. so much. Why you know? not? Yeah. Um, and, but it's something you can learn about the character. It's something they'll they'll talk about or that they hate living in this town, you know, and they can't wait to live someplace else. Ah, oh, this damn town. It's always this. It's always that. You know? But, again, it's a memorable trait. Like, mm-hmm. this person clearly wants the hell out of New York City, you know? Yeah. Or, or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping in mind that their desires, uh, that's a motivation. Another you know? thing that like, which we all do is like, if there's a good looking guy, who's a little gruff and in every scene that he's involved in and with you, he's eating something. Yes. You know, he's got an apple. He's, you know, he's got a, a bag of chips, Yeah, you know, and yeah. he's eating it. That's another thing you can always have. It's like, again, Actors do this. They carry it through. So you mm-hmm. always recognize them in a scene and you, you expect it. You're waiting for that moment. Yeah. It's things like that that you can reuse story to story um, and it Sorry. helps bring those memorable characters back and into their mind and helps you as a as a storyteller remember how this character gets played. Yeah. Because it makes another memory for you. Because oftentimes our players come back to those NPCs and you're like, crap, who was this person again? 
And they'll, and one of your players just says, God, I hope he doesn't have another apple in his hand. And you're like, Haha, that's right. Now I remember how to play this guy. Well, now the, the cool thing is too, is when you give them these physical characteristics, these physical, physical mannerisms and stuff like that, that's how you can actually insert them into scenes too. Oh, totally. One of my favorite, um, I, I, I am a huge anime snob. I will say that. So, um, uh, one of my favorite animes of the few that I actually like is Rurouni Kenshin. Okay, 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 um, that's fair. And there's a character who comes in in the second season uh, named Saito Hajime. And uh, there are several times where he, he smokes. Oh, okay. And so there are several times uh, where the character is introduced into a scene because you just see in the shadows a cigarette get lit up. Mm-hmm. And before that character ever steps out, before yep. a single pixel of him is rendered on the screen, you're like, <gasps> Saito! And there he is. X-Files, the smoking man. Yeah, exactly. Same kind of situation again. You know, and it's it's those kinds of things that help bring about uh, important moments and can help you trope a character as well. Yeah. Like a character who's never without their knife. Mm-hmm. And then your players walk into a scene and their knife is literally jammed in the wall. And you're like, oh, he's here. Shit. Yeah. How was he here? Yeah. Or he was here, which is even worse because now they're invested in that individual and mm-hmm. they they want to know what's going on and why they were in that scene. You know, yeah. that that knife practically is that person. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you sell it right. Yeah. Like they sharpen it. They're always playing with it. They're picking their teeth with it. Uh-huh. Like it's them. Yeah. It's a portion of who they are and it extends them. And again, these are three simple things you can give life to somebody yep. and life to your city. What do they want? What do they look like, and what are they? Uh, what, uh, what memorable personality trait do they have? Yeah. Now let's let's get back. We'll take a step away from the NPCs and step into the space itself. Yeah, sure. What happens? Like when you go to a city, there are things that are going on there. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of movies that have that are location based. Groundhog's Day is a great example. First off, it's Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something. That's a, a festival, an event that's going on there. How many AMC classic movies always have some kind of event going on? Now, granted, it's Christmas and a lot of them, but there's nothing to say that it isn't like the Founders Festival of the sure, town, you sure. know, or something like that. And these add events to the space, you know? Yeah, and it, it doesn't always have to be festivals either. Um, but, uh, but, but events are great ways to kind of um, give a little exposition about the culture. Mm-hmm. What the culture values because they're celebrating it, mm-hmm. and and how they go about celebrating it. Um, so we mentioned festivals, um, typically a joyous occasion. You're gonna have games, you're gonna have prizes. A lot of times, cultures have uh, interesting foods like street foods that they oh, only yeah. make during these festivals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, funerals or memorials. I didn't think about this one until you put it down, and then I realized how much culture comes out of those events. Yep. Uh, and, and it could be something as recent as a single person died and we are having a funeral for them. Right. Um, or it might be some sort of a memorial. Like this is the anniversary of, you know, the, the 24th anniversary of when General Thompson died mm-hmm. and he was the savior of our town and we always, you know, have this, have this festival to remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes there is a religious, a religious component, um, Oftentimes they want to soothe the departed spirit mm-hmm. by some sort of offerings or whatever. Right. Um, 
they may want to appeal to the divine for mercy mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the the idea of like you are in care of their soul now mm-hmm. we're going to offer things to the divine so that we make sure they have a good afterlife or right, something right. like that again it's it's i'm trying to keep it you know setting agnostic you know yeah. um but also uh, i i i happen to know there there's some like uh and i, I curse me i am a uh, or, or you know for, forgive me please i am uh uh I am not Jewish, but I know there is a Jewish uh, holiday where the whole thing is essentially dunking on uh, the dudes who tried to trash the Jews in one certain situation. Um, okay. The the Maccabees? Maybe? No, I'm pretty sure the Maccabees were the Jews. I'm not sure. I don't know, and I'm butchering this, and I apologize. Step to away Jew- from it. Best thing you can population. do. Um, but either way, like – But but even things like that where you're cursing the oppressors that made the memorial, you know, the the festivity may be, you know, somebody, somebody wearing the costume of the oppressor. I always remember in like uh, – there's a couple animes that do this where effectively like they come into town and people are dressed in like chicken costumes and monsters and they're mm-hmm. like, what is this? Oh, this was the day that our town was sacked by bandits. And the only thing that they left us were two chickens. So we mem- we memorialize this day so we never forget about it. Yeah, and then, exactly. And then we rush them. We we you know the bandits come into town as these people in costumes, and then the chickens run them out of town. Yeah, you know that it's sounds like, great. You know, and it's it's silly festival, but the thing is, is that kind of stuff happens all the time because again, they're trying to make light of the situation to try and uh, to try and shift. The intention and the feeling. Um, Hulavu coming in for the win uh, in our live chat says uh, the the holiday I was describing was Purin. Purin. Purin? Yes. Yeah, Purin. I, I think you're right. It's Purin. P-U-R-I-N. Yes. Again, uh, we're terrible at this. And I do not speak Hebrew, so I apologize. Yeah. But, uh, but again, it's that whole turning of things. And there are so many places. Just look online for a festival if you need something. Yeah. Like, again, yeah. you can find a festival and then – there's nothing to say you couldn't make one up, but the idea is that funerals, memorials uh, are just some of the things. Markets. Yeah. Fairs. Markets and fairs are great. Um, I love when carnival comes into town. Yeah. Like, that's a huge event for people, especially in a small town, to have a bunch of, like, hucksters and and acrobats and things show up. Yeah. You know, yeah. Th- that becomes its own thing. Uh, even as something as little as the farmer's market. Yeah. It's – oh, it's 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 the weekend Crap, all the farmers are out and selling their, their produce in the middle of town. Cool. Art fairs. Art fairs. We have Arts Beats and Eats uh, yeah. in, in uh, Royal Oak. We've got the Ann Arbor Art Fair yeah. nearby as well. If you ever want to shut down a town and fill it full of people who could care less that your adventurers are there, throw an art fair. Like, literally pack the town with people who are selling things, looking at things, buying things, eating things, and it's wall-to-wall people. Now you've got – it's just chaos to mm-hmm. try and manage that. Um, I did it in my game uh, in that it was kind of a mixed thing. It was the turning of the king. So a new king was coming out. And so just outside of the actual town, the, the main city itself, mm-hmm. a burg basically gets formed because there's all of these people who are there, A, to see what's going on and see who the new king is. But also just a bunch of people because there's a bunch of people there. It brought people. more people. Yeah, people want to show off their wares and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, another big one is the changing of the seasons. Um, now, this is going to be a lot bigger in, like, fantasy medieval-style games where cultures are more agrarian. Um, you're not going to get a lot of this in urban or contemporary stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you, 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 you might in an agrarian urban uh, uh, modern society, but uh, um, the planting season and the harvest season are usually huge events. Uh, mm-hmm. That require an entire village to come together to get the crops tended to. 
you know, one, one person is not going to plant their own fields. Like everybody's going to kind of divvy up, make sure that things are tilled, things are irrigated, things are planted so that it can all get done on time. So the harvest isn't ruined, you know? Yeah. If you're my Stardew Valley farm, you know, you need two other friends to do all the watering for you because we don't have enough iridium for the sprinklers. Exactly. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> I did see in the sci-fi uh, community uh, stories that there was one where it was the dusting is what they called it. And it was a seasonal thing because basically at this point, the dust storms are over. And everyone was going out to dust off the giant solar farm so that they could get their energy production back up. And it was it was just a turning of a season on the planet, and that's what they did. And I thought that that – it's, it's again, it's it's not necessarily like a, a normal festival or anything like that, but it's an event that everyone has to be involved with. Um, another thing that kind of sits along that same guide is uh, weather events can push events in something in, – in places. Uh, a frost – can push everyone into the fields to keep everything warm and make something happen. So your your group could be coming into town early in the morning and seeing all these people with effectively fake wings and fire. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what are they doing? Well, it was a little crisp this morning. Oh, it's the first frost. They're trying to keep their crops alive. Crap. Yep. Like, do you help out? Like, they're all busy. Like, they've got things to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a simple thing that can happen that keeps your most of your NPCs in that sure. town very busy. Sure. Absolutely. You know? Um. So, I mean, and, and when it comes to events, like, just, uh, just having one go on mm-hmm. is just enough to add, like, some really great background. If you need something more than what your plot is driving. Right. You know, if you really want to make a place seem alive, this is a great way to do it. Yep. Not every time. Nope. But you need just a little extra pepper. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Groups and factions. This is where things can get a little deep. Yes. Um, and much like we did with NPCs, I think you need to make sure that you don't go too far. If in, in in and and try to push it, there's some simple things that you can do to make a faction feel real mm-hmm. without going nine miles down and creating them a making them into a new villain effectively. Uh, yeah, not even not even making them a new villain, honestly. But like, just th- the the problem I think most people have with factions is that they're large groups of people, mm-hmm. and most new storytellers look at a large group of people and go, "I have to keep track of all of that." You got a Game of Thrones it. And you don't. No. You do not need 100 NPCs all with their own agenda. No. You, um, you don't need to know what every guard at every door has and knows about. Exactly. Now, the great thing about a faction or a group is that they're all like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. That's why they're a group or a faction. Mm-hmm. Right? They all technically want the same thing. So the great shorthand you have is what does the faction want? Yeah. What's What's the union? Yeah, exactly. Like, just like a just like a single NPC, a faction wants something. That's why they've gathered together mm-hmm. for the purpose of doing something. Hospitals are a faction, technically. Yeah. They are a faction of doctors mm-hmm. that all gather in the same place so they can help each other administer medical care faster, more efficiently, and more compassionately. 100% agree. Uh, a secret society of cultists. They all get together because they all want to bring Cthulhu into the world. Yep. Great. You know what every single one of their main goals is? Bring bring Cthulhu Cthulhu into into the the world. world. Their reasoning might be different. It doesn't matter if there's 10 or 100 of them. Exactly. And the best thing that you can do is come back to that concept. So 
if you're like, oh, I need an X person within this faction. Okay, why are they doing that thing that mm-hmm. the whole faction's doing? Like, I'm in it for the – like, we are the, you know, uh, the Thieves Guild. Simple sure. enough. Yep. It's a bunch of thieves banding together. Why? Because they all like stealing stuff. Why does this NPC like stealing stuff? Now you have his motivation. You already mm-hmm. know his first drive. You can do the rest of the steps. So it – by having a faction, you've simplified one part of your step of creating that NPC. Exactly, exactly. If you want to break out individual characters and make them more complex, that's fine. But your nameless NPCs that are just like, quote-unquote, faction member number 37, simple. Yep. Simple. They want what the faction wants. Yep. Uh, next one I think is the most important one. I don't know that this gets talked about enough. I agree. I agree. I, sometimes I feel like it gets glossed over too quickly. Who is the faction's leader? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the reason this is important, um, I mean, obviously, they're, they're the person who's going to be making the most decisions about things. If this is your big bad evil guy and their henchmen, you know, obviously, that's a major part of your plot. But every faction needs a face. And it's a single person that your that your player characters can ascribe their feelings about the group onto. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... For you, like in your 7C game, mm-hmm. okay, we had Padre Inguis. Yep. He was the face of the Inquisition to us. Yes. If we needed – we were dealing with the Inquisition, we were dealing with Padre Inguis. Yep. Period. He had henchmen. He had lackeys mm-hmm. and whatever. But we had someone to hate. We had someone to love. We had someone to feel some kind of way about. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to ascribe – feelings and reactions and motivations and stuff like that to a nameless faceless group mm-hmm. um you you tend to want to um find a single person that you can just deal with mm-hmm. you know so if i'm mad at the inquisition i can go yell at padre inguis mm-hmm. and i am thereby by proxy yelling at the inquisition yes um star trek fans yes do you remember uh, the board queen very much so can see her 100% in my mind. In uh, Star Trek First Contact. Yes. Um, do you ever wonder why suddenly after years of the Borg being a uh, decentralized collective, why suddenly we had a Borg queen? Because it became an important plot. <laughs> because it became an important plot. We wanted to focus on it. But in the scope of a movie, mm-hmm. you can kind of get away with it in a, in a serialized TV show. Oh, yeah. Of the, the, the decentralized collective. Mm-hmm. But when you have to tell a concise story from start to finish in a, in, a, in a movie form, they made that decision because you need someone to be the face of the Borg. Mm-hmm. They're a decentralized collective, but that's the one you hate. Yep. But that's the one you can interact with. Right. And it's just a it's, – it's narrative shorthand yeah. is and, all it is. And inevitably in, in movies, you will be presented an image or an experience with the head of whatever mm-hmm. at the beginning. Like you usually are presented with a few people, but you'll know what the face and motivation of that group is based upon that leader. Yeah. How, how angry they're going to be, how yep. quickly they are to respond, what level of resources they have, what level of discretion they have. You will always know that from the leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the other thing, too, is make sure that um, your leader speaks for the group. Uh, he may have some of his own motivations, but largely they should want what the group wants um, and want his group to succeed. 
Now, the mm-hmm. reason I say this is because it reinforces his position as the face of the group. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and again, you can do more complex things, but this is a one-on-one, so we're trying to give you the yeah. shorthand, the easy, yeah. the easy way of doing things. Yeah. It reinforces his position as the face. So if you make their desires different from the group, that makes them a rogue agent, not the voice of the group. Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And especially if your group is involved in that faction, maybe they're a member silently and nobody else in your group knows about it. Mm -hmm. They might be the rogue element and that person knows it. That leader knows it. Like they're, they're aware of it. They handle it. Because they're still part of the group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a different experience. But again, you always know that drive. Yep. Like, I love the stories when the leader of a culture or group looks at that quote-unquote rogue element and says, just come home. You belong with us. <laughs> and that creates its own frictions right there. Yep. Simple enough. Yep. Now, you put in here something that I also love, which is that you always have three. You 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 don't just need that leader because nine times out of ten that leader does not show their face immediately in an RPG sense. Sure. In a book story, sure. In a movie, always. Mm-hmm. You will always see that face. But you're gonna see other elements. And yes. having three NPCs that belong to that group with a capital B. Yes. They are invested in that group. They're not rogue elements. They have they might have some some aspects of themselves that are different. But you don't go that deep. The best thing you can do is have them be invested in that group, why yes. they're there. Uh, and so this this kind of goes along with the face of the group sort of thing. Um, like your, your faction may have hundreds of NPCs, but you're not going to introduce hundreds of NPCs to your players. You pick three. Mm-hmm. You pick three, and you flush them out. They have their own desires and stuff like that that, that that make them unique within the group. They still largely want what the group wants. They're mm-hmm. still group members. Yep. Um, but they can be they, – they can have their own their own names, their own personalities. You know, flush them out the way that we told you to do in, uh, individual NPCs. These are going to be the ones that your characters meet. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we walk into the Mages Guild. Cool. There are – Dozens of people here, all at the soiree, mm-hmm. all in various, you know, mage robes and stuff like that. Some of them are performing small feats of magicka that are, you know, showing each other different techniques that they've learned. Um, uh, one walks up to you, and it is blah, 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 this NPC. That's the one you've done the work on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, it's easy to see it in other stories. We know about the leader of the foot, mm-hmm. but we also know about Bebop and, and Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Yep. Right off the bat. Like, there's our Turtles reference. Everyone take a drink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ever watch it, like, in uh, in, in shows where uh, the protagonists have, like, the cops show up, and it's always that one cop, mm-hmm. that one detective that's on there? Well, you have, a, you have the investigators. Yeah. You have the prosecution. <laughs> and you have the cops. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing is, you know what to expect, yeah. and you know they're going to show up. Yeah. Every time. And you give them predictable faces and you allow them to build a relationship with these with these characters instead mm-hmm. of just being nameless, faceless NPCs. Yep, yep. The police always has the chief. He's not the head of the police, but he's there. Yeah. You know, you have the, the hard-nosed, rule-based guy, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have, like, the plucky investigator who's trying to make a name for himself. I would say, do this even with your town guards. Oh, 100%. I, two, I have two, like... Uh, uh, I have two, uh, members of, essentially they're magic cops of the Sigic yeah. Order. Um, I, uh, I brought them in, uh, and based them off of, uh, Friday and Ganon from Dragnet. 100%. Um, 
And I just like anytime you guys deal with the Sigic Order, you're just gonna be dealing with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're 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 not the leaders of the faction, but they are the faces you know. Yeah. And rather than introduce you to two new Sigic Order agents every single time they show up, it's just gonna be just gonna be Fridas and, and Gignon. So so my so you brought that up, and I'm gonna have to plug it in here. And one of the things that I love doing is also having those NPCs not always there, active in the scene. And I come to this from. Beverly Hills Cop. Sometimes they're just tailing you. Sometimes they're just watching you. They're sitting on a park bench, and you notice them, and they notice you. They flip down their paper. They give you a nod, like, "Yeah, I see what you're doing." You know, and <laughs> and and you're like, "Damn it! Do you guys like ever take a break?" Nope. Yep. Like this is my job. This mm-hmm. is what I do. My job is here to deal with you. <laughs> So I'm going to sit over here and have my newspaper until you screw something up. Yep. And then I'll be right here watching you when you do it. And that's the kind of stuff like, uh, it, it, you know, the assassin who's waiting for their moment and they, you know, they're part of the assassin's guild and you have a mark on you. Like you're marked for death, but they're like, not today. Not today. No. This well, wasn't, I'll, I'll get know, to it. I'm not going to kill you with tea in a tea house. That's rude to the tea house. <laughs> You know, it's things like that that can really endear and, again, create life Yeah, within yeah. your stories. So, All right. So we said we were going to talk mostly about NPCs, but a little bit about world building. Yes. I think we get to the little bit of world building part now. So here's world building 101. And super again, 101. Super 101. We are not going to get into the 201. Uh, as we said earlier, there is a five part series on world building way back in the early parts of our uh, uh of our library um and that's the reason we're kind of not going to get into it because do it. it is literally so big of a topic we could go on for five whole episodes about it and we did we did uh so we're going to give you the 101 and um the quick version of world building 101 for storytellers is don't just don't do it and not and not don't hard stop, but whatever you think you should do is probably way too much. Yeah, you've gone overboard already. Um, so first bit of advice is just like with plots mm-hmm. and just like with NPCs, you're always going to want to ask why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is this place here? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a farming village here. Cool. Why? Is it fertile soil? Is it near a major trade route? Is it, you know, why did they choose here to build it, to, to, to make a farming village? Why did they choose here to make this castle? Why mm-hmm. did they choose here to, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, don't have to come up with big fancy answers. One sentence. It's fertile land. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now I know why you're farming here. That's a yep. great answer. Yep. You know? It was uh, the closest part to the quarry. That's why we built the castle here. Great. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. It's along the river. Made it easy to get supplies here. It's a it's a trade route. Perfect. Boom. Done. Okay. Now, you can add thousands of years of history to it, but don't. Don't. But don't. Um, what type of people live here? Is it the original settlers? Was the place abandoned and resettled by somebody else? Again, you can add thousands of years of history to this, but don't. What type of people live here? Mostly humans, but some elves. Done. Done. Um... What is the relationship with the surrounding areas? Do the neighboring towns hate this place? Mm-hmm. Is this the hot spot to come for trade? Yep. Uh, is this town known for its its great wagons? Yeah. Just something. Again, one sentence. Yep. Um, what hardships 
is it currently facing? Oh, it's been a hard winter, so we're all a little bit down on our luck right now, and everybody's a little bit hungry. They're, we're going to war soon, so literally people are gearing up. Families are getting separated a little bit. People are saying goodbyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the big thing is, don't go overboard. No, okay? you can you can lose yourself fast. We do it all the time. All the time. And one of the biggest things that I always say is your players only see what they see. The vision of the world is as far as you put it. Mm -hmm. And they, we're going to say this in the nicest way, don't care. Yeah. Because they don't know and they don't care. Some of the best advice we can give new storytellers is just to be blunt. They don't care. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Nope, not Nobody cares. Like, so... For instance, one one thing that that like still kind of irks me a little bit. Like maybe it's a good starting point, but I, I feel like people see this stuff and think that, that that this is necessary information. I've seen online like random town generators, mm-hmm. and it will literally tell you like there are seven blacksmiths, there are three inns, there are seventeen wagoneers, there are four leather workers. It's like when has that ever mattered to anybody? Nope, not at all. Never. I mean, okay. it matters if you're playing a strategy game where you're building cities and you need to find the best city to work work your resources and towns. And the number with. of blacksmiths is directly going to translate to a modifier on a die roll or something, right? Exactly. But like, if you're just playing a narrative, you know, if if it's just part of the narrative, like nobody cares how many blacksmiths are in the city. Nobody cares what the total population to the exact person is and what the exact percentage breakdown of elves, dwarves, and humans are. Like, Un- Unless the game literally is playing Settlers of Catan on a global scale yeah. where it matters what cities you connect to, it doesn't matter. Beyond, Your players don't care. Beyond general generalities, that is. like, So yeah. it's a big city, 100,000 people. Fantastic. At most of which are human, but there's a su- substantial elven population here. You can see the elven influence in the architecture. Yeah. Done. Yep. No more world building. Stop there. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares beyond that point. Nope. Nobody cares what the last thousand years of history are. Nope. Unless the main plot revolves around knowing that history or that history of repeating itself. Correct. Absolutely valid reasons to know a thousand years of history, but if you're just random town number twenty seven along the along the, the, the way here, nobody needs to know that this is the stopping point that General Joshua stopped in at, you know, to uh you know, resupply his troops at the epic battle nine hundred and twenty seven years ago. No, stop. No, no. Stop. No. Doesn't matter. They don't care that there's twenty six types of cigars here because this is the cigar capital of the world. If you really want to drop that lore, put a statue of the general in the middle of town, make it old, make it look, you know, and just just make make it a make it a centerpiece. And if anybody cares, they will then say, "Hey, what's at the statue?" And yeah, and you get to tell them a little bit. Yeah. Again, save yourself the time. Don't write anything the PCs won't see. There is a thing that video games do mm-hmm. called backface culling. Mm-hmm. And what it, C-U-L-L-I-N-G mm-hmm. means to get rid of. Yep. Um, and that means anything that is not facing the player, that is not facing the camera, doesn't get rendered. It literally takes the geometry away because it's extraneous crunch on your, on your graphics card. On your resources. Yeah, on your resources. And so by not rendering anything you're not looking at currently, uh, they make your games a lot faster that way. Mm-hmm. And that's... A great storytelling technique. If you're not, if your players aren't looking at it, you don't have to render it. Yep. Don't render it. Don't try. 
Don't and try. By render, we mean literally render its existence. Well, what's on the other side of the hill? Doesn't matter. Doesn't do, your matter. do your characters want to go on the other side of the hill? Well, no, but then you don't have to write it. Nope. Nope. Save yourself the time. If they do want to go on the other side of that hill, well, then figure it out. Yep. You should probably know enough about your world just in generalities to know, oh, uh, that's to the east. To the east is the orc kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's probably something orcish over there. Yeah. Beyond that, don't write it. Walk away. Just walk away. Walk away. Yep. And that's it. We're going to leave it right there. Right there. Right there. Don't that is making it. your world life like 101. Go find a go find our other our sections. We will go into higher detail in all of them. If you've got yep. questions, we'll be glad to sit in our Discord and chat with you about Absolutely. it. Uh, all right. So our next 101. So this is going to be the first Wednesday of next month of September. Yes. Uh, is going to be about creating bonds, plot hooks, recurring NPCs, and other ways to make your players care about things in your story. Yeah, and How it's going to pull them in. Yeah, we've talked about the world. We've talked about the story. We've talked about the adventures. How do we kind of mash that all together in right. a way that the players want to invest? Yeah, yeah. But we do have some questions. Nevim, as always, firing off. Thank you, uh, Absolute. Uh, great Everyone else is feeling a little low right now. We're not getting a lot of these questions, but Nevim is here for it's us. It's fine. Nevim's, Nevim's a trooper, man. Always, always. And good stuff. Uh, do you want to grab the first one? Sure, because it's going to go fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how to avoid drowning players in game in the game lore. Yeah, Rob, how do you do that? You don't. You just <laughs> literally don't. You put the bucket away. You put the super soaker down. You turn off the hose. The pumps are off. It's scope creep. Yep. Seriously, you do not need it. If it's not plot relevant yeah. that needs to be handed to them, and if it is, keep it short. They don't have the time. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. Ain't nobody yeah. got time for that. They're clicking through the screen. They're waiting for what the quest says, you know. Now, uh, for me, a lot of this stuff can do, can, uh, you, you don't have to sit there and just disgorge game lore to them like you're reading out of an encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, for me, takes place during an, uh, in environmental storytelling. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, describing the architecture as having a heavy, um, uh, like Akaviri, you know, mm -hmm. thing to it. Now you're starting to ask, like, wait a minute, why is there Akaviri influence here? You know, yep. what is what did Akaviri have to do with the construction of this place? It's in the middle of Tamriel. Right. Oh, no, there's a question. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell you the answer to. You know, why is there Elven architecture in an orc uh, prison? Exactly. You know, that's holding elves. Yeah. So, you know, you, in your storytelling, you can give them little bits of that. And if they want to know more, they can inquire into it. Exactly. Um, but keep it light. Focus on your plot. And Don't world, scope world build when you need to. Exactly. Not, we're all very enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. We're all very enthusiastic. And there's, there's, that, there's that impulse to want to go like, damn, I wrote 50 pages of lore on this and I want to show it to them because it's awesome. They don't care. Don't. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. It's sorry. They don't care. We care. As storytellers, you, we care. You're amazing. Share. You're amazing. Yep. Keep doing what you're doing. You don't have to do what adventure manuals do. They do that to give you options. Yes. Not to present the entire book of adventure to your yes. players. So yes. Keep Not that in mind. Nobody needs to be Tolkien. That's right. Nobody needs to read the Cimmerillion to another person. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Unless they ask for it. So how about the next one? Uh, all right, so how to introduce factions and politics to players. Um, I think you did this well in yours. Uh, some of the examples that you give are fantastic. Your voiceless ones. Literally, when we met them, we, A, knew they were voiceless because they're called the voiceless ones. And they had a defining mark, an X over their mouth, which which was a uh, um, a 
It was a, it was a half a mask. Half it was a, mask. Almost yeah. like what we've all we've all been wearing for uh, yeah. for COVID. Um, but it had a big red X over the mouth. Oh, sorry. Very bump, easily bump identifiable. Very simple. Yep. So that you knew that faction. One of my favorite things is the the ninjas mm-hmm. in every like. How do you know it's this ninja group? They're all wearing black pajamas and jumping off of walls and stuff. Yeah, that's the ninjas. You know them. Uh, one of the it's it's an old movie with the, the warriors mm-hmm. where like all the gang it was about gang warfare, yeah, 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 but yeah, like yeah. all the gangs had these like almost cartoonishly like faction uh, identities to yeah. them. You yeah. know, uh, and and honestly, I think lean into that. Like give your give your uh, factions a, a sort of iconic look to them so that when you say like oh yeah and you see the guy standing there he's holding a sword and he's wearing a green sash and they're like ah oh, damn it the, the the black lions again with their green sashes ah oh, I hate these guys but there's you know? good reason for it yeah you need to know who's on your side yeah exactly so yeah it's it's a very simple way of doing it uh, um as far as how, as far as introducing politics I think politics just kind of happens um to me. Politics is just when the fighting stops and the talking starts, and your solution is anything other than I beat them up. I think that's a great way of doing it. Um, the other way that I think introducing politics sometimes in it is through oddly trustworthy people. Mm-hmm. And we you see this in cartoons all the time. It's the old guys sitting at a table, the same three old guys playing chess or talking about something – and they bring up what's going on in the area. They're okay. the gossipers. Sure. You sure. know, those kinds of things. Like, again, your players will be like, oh, it's three old guys sitting at a table. Hey, what do you know about this guy? Oh, that old guy on the hill? Yeah, he's a loser. He came in three weeks ago and tried to make it all big deal. We had a good old mayor back in the day, but apparently he bought him off or something. Oh, he didn't buy him off. That mayor died. No, he didn't. He moved out to the country. Like, you get the get. And now they know the politics of what's going on. Yeah. And, like, that's the whole thing is that you can present politics in a ridiculous way if you want to. Yeah. Or you can have it happen organically during a fight, a conversation during when the bloodshed stops. And, and like, from a one-on-one standpoint, since this is a a, a one-on-one thing, um, like, it doesn't have to be that complicated where you've got a huge chain of rumor mills, et cetera, et cetera. It, It can be something as simple as I asked, they provided. You know, uh, I, I, I need this. Right. I understand you are people who know how to get things. Yeah. If you can convince that other party to give me that thing, you and I can do business. Boom. That's politics 101. Likewise, there's nothing to say that there isn't a board that literally has the politics on it. That's true. You know. It's true. Huh. Mayor is seeking X to find Y. We'll pay Z amount. Yeah. Done. You now know the politics about that situation. It's very clear. Yep. You know, people missing, thought to be the work of X. Okay, there you go. Yep. And if it's older, as you get further into history, you start getting news. Town criers are a great way Mm -hmm. to present information. You can get a lot out from a town. And that's literally just reading something. And that person moves on. Yep. Newspapers, great way to do it. Headline. You know, the, the, your adventure headline, you know, oh, yeah, news, yeah, yeah. those kind of things. Adventure, tales of the air and society. Yeah. You, you can do things like that very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you also have like news blotters that even in sci-fi that come out like that where like a news burst goes out you're not having a conversation about oh, yeah. it it's just something that gets put out on the wire i did a full-on six o'clock news broadcast uh, yeah. you, you voice acted for me for my aberrant game yeah again it, it doesn't have to be that intense again smaller bits of information travel much faster and the less detail it is, the more you can play with yep. it. It does not need to be complicated. You don't need to write the next Game of Thrones if you want to introduce politics. It is literally as simple as, I want this. If you can make it happen for me, then I will help you. Yep. Boom. That is a political situation. Yep. Um, all right. Last question is, what simple characteristics can be used to make an NPC memorable? We, we talked about some of their mannerisms. Yep. We've yep. talked about how they present. Um, a, a desire, a physical characteristic, and a personality characteristic. I think the one thing that we didn't discuss in there is something that you did exceptionally well, mm -hmm. which is the thing that's out of place. And the way you did that was in your game with the Molly Weasley woman. So I had a group of four rogues. They were... Uh, cutthroat ne'er do wells working for the evil vampire. 100%. Yeah. Um, and sent essentially to parlay with the group to say, like, hey, the evil vampire also wants this other vampire dead. You should join us. We should work together. And, like, very clearly, like, the ruffians mm -hmm. with the, you know, to the, the, the battle scarred veteran who's, you know, who, who, you know, got kicked out of the military for being too rough mm -hmm. and, you know, the battle mage standing behind him and the, the Khajiit assassin who's picking his teeth with his dagger. And something that looks like Molly Weasley. Like, like doilies, a little clothing, very well dressed. Her hair is just right. I described her like a 40 something soccer mom with mm -hmm. just a little, a little plump roundness to her, pleasant smile. Very happy. Sat down where everybody else was drinking beer and she like ordered a cup of tea. Which was poured by one of her people. Yeah, by, by one of the ruffians she was with. Yeah, who clearly treated her with a level of respect that we were unprepared for. Yeah. And she was nice. Yeah, very Just pleasant. Very pleasant. Very pleasant. Like, and we all thought she was the master assassin. <laughs> like, she was the brains and she was going to mess with us. Yep. Yep. And she did. And it did. It did a great job of taking us out of the moment. Uh-huh. And putting us right into the, oh, man, what is this problem? Oh, we are not on a level playing field We here. are not. We are not on a level. And it's just that simple. Yeah. You take someone just slightly out of context, mm -hmm. and suddenly everyone is off just a little bit. Yep. You know? Yep. It's it's those types of things that, that surprise everyone mm -hmm. in the end. You know? The Master Blaster character, who is this brute with a giant helmet and, like, huge shoulder pads. And then out of this boot, out of this giant body is this tiny voice. And you're like, what? <laughs> yep. And you realize it's a midget on his shoulders that's telling him what to do. Or, uh, uh what is that? was that character from, uh, Full Metal Alchemist? That's the, the suit of armor that yeah. sounds like a six-year-old. His, his brother. Yeah. Uh, who, who lost, uh, his, his body. Mm -hmm. All it was left was him bound to a, a, a piece of armor because it was the closest thing you could get him into. Yep. yep. And again, amazing character, way out of place, and everybody felt that. 
Cost of resurrection nowadays, man, costs you an arm and a leg. Ha! It's true. But, again, it's that MIB thing of, like, you know, little do, Tiffany. do I owe little Tiffany an apology? Yeah. You know, because yeah. she's out of place. I looked at those textbooks, and she was way <laughs> above her pay grade here, yeah. <laughs> she was getting into something, you know, walking down a dark alley, monsters all over the place. She's walking around with astrophysics books and quantum <laughs> she's mechanics. She's to start some crap. She's start some crap. <laughs> Like, but that's the thing. It's those moments that you can take and say, did, is this just enough out of place to throw my characters off? Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Uh, all right. So, uh, let's wrap up here. Uh, next week's topic, uh, once again, always, uh, second Wednesday of the month is going to be a system spotlight. This time we are talking about Mistborn RPG, uh, based off of and set in the world of the books by Brandon Sanderson. Um, using metals to, uh, to, to, to do magic systems. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash Conclave. And join us upon our Discord. You can find the, uh, the link to our, to, on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We really appreciate all the support you give us every month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for living and supporting us. Thank All of our friends that have sat with our, that have tried to again, sat with us at our tables <laughs> over these years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.